Road by Cormac McCarthy, pages 123 to 152. The section we talked about a lot in class was the dream that the father has while they're in the bunker and this concept of being an alien. And what I want us to continue to look at and think about is the fact that what the father experienced in his past and is in many ways trying to maintain or recreate is falling away, is slipping away. And in many ways, as he is aware, will most likely cease to be. So as we look at this idea and this concept of being an alien, is that the life that he has lived beforehand and all the comforts, the standards, the expectations, the way people relate to each other, everything that was established is now gone. So the human interaction that we are seeing, and we remember we're not seeing a whole lot of human interaction, but when we do see it, people don't know how to act exactly. There is obviously, there is fear between every interaction and there's hesitation and there's a reluctancy to sort of engage. But when we get these snippets and we see this in this section when we run into Eli, that the old world is gone. And with that, the traditional expectations for how humans should treat each other, welcome each other, even if they don't want to be nice to one another, that decision of, well, I'm going to do this and it might not be correct, but I know it's not correct. The idea of what is right and what is wrong is now completely washed out. And while we're not seeing a world being rebuilt, we're seeing an idea that the people still there are relying on the old world to maintain survival. When the father talks about the old world to his son, and he points out different things and discuss how things were, or they find different elements that bring up memories. For the boy who has been raised in this dystopian, apocalyptic society, if we even can call it a society, everything is completely fictional. And not the sense that we feel like the father is lying. It's that how can he, how can the boy trust anything being described? Because he himself will go through it. And in many ways is completely unrelatable. So the dream that the father has in the shelter, where they have finally reached a point where they can, we will call it rest. We won't say rest easy, but they're able to replenish their supplies, bathe, eat food, sleep in a bed, be warm, be clean. But the dream that welcomes him is not one that's bringing about fear. It's making him question and analyze his relationship, not only with his son, but with himself. Because the world around him is no longer recognizable. And as we talked about in class, how we relate to the world at large says a lot about who we are and how we see ourselves. You remove yourself from a community, put yourself in another community. Your basis 
for how you think about yourself, consider yourself, your interests, the way you interact with other people. All that is probably based off of your previous interactions within a community, within a group of people. And you would try, you would probably try to replicate that again. Right? This worked at this school. Now I'm in a new school. I'm going to try to do this again. And one of the things that we've talked about, it's very hard for people to change or reset themselves. They might try little things. But in this world, the, the land that we're seeing, both from a geographical standpoint, from an atmospheric standpoint, we need to think about the fact that it is broken. And trying to emulate those traditional rhythms of life is important because it's the only survival style that these people know beyond the character of Eli, which we will talk about here in a second. So as we discuss this alien mentality, that to the son, the father's life is alien. In many ways, when they brings up the topic of Mars with whether or not the birds, the crows could fly to Mars, you need to think about the concept that the quality of life on Mars is only slightly worse than the quality of life on Earth as we see it in this novel. And that's the jarring aspect of it. The remnants of human life is what maintains the life, the lives that we're seeing. The men and the boys survive because they're able to find rations of a forgotten, destroyed, burnt society. But if they went to Mars, the only thing that's not there that they could survive with is a pre-existing remnants. But that basically, the difference between Mars and Earth is very slim. And that scene, while we did talk a lot in class about the idea of crows and the fact that we're seeing a natural disaster or a man-made disaster, regardless of what type of disaster it was, where animal life seems to be destroyed at this part of the book. There aren't any birds. There's one mentioning of a dog. We haven't seen or heard references from a setting standpoint or from a description standpoint of anything other than the road itself, the ash, the gray sky, the snow, the rain. We're not getting animals. Now you could argue maybe they've been all killed and eaten, but the, the idea that that would truly be the case, that this was just there's, there's none left because of human diets, seems to be a bit of a stretch. I don't think we're supposed to draw that conclusion. When they stumble upon the shelter, there's a description of the shelter later when the, the father's looking at it after they have bathed. He kind of talks about it looking like a tomb. And while religion is, is present in this novel and showcases itself in a variety of ways, this is one of the moments where I do think we can have a decent conversation about what this reference might be. One of the aspects we discussed in class was that the tomb itself represents many ways afterlife and that in death there is a reward of heaven. Now we know that is a Christian belief. There are other religions that have a similar belief in a heaven and a hell. But that in death the son and the boy, they go into their tomb, which would mean that they died even though they're not dead in the, in the you follow me here, they're not dead in the book. But if, the, if we're following this analogy, 
that in this tomb, all the food, all the clothing, all the ability to bathe, everything that's there represents the reward for the life lived. The hard life lived, they are bailed out in this moment. But it's only through death do they seek or do they find themselves in salvation. And that death is actually better than what is going on to the living outside of the shelter. So as we explore this idea, that's one of the options we talked about in class. It's probably not perfect, but I want you to consider and think about when we see God mentioned, when aspects of religion are mentioned, the idea that the little boy wanted to thank the people who saved all this stuff but couldn't be there and had passed away, we believe. He wants to thank them, and it's a prayer-like fashion. So whether the boy has been taught to pray or the father has prayed himself, there's an element, a ritualistic element there that speaks back to a previous society that's now gone, but is present in this time of struggle and strife. So this shelter being representing many ways a portal to death and the afterlife is one way of looking at it, that in this world, things are so bleak, so bad, that only in death, if you live life the right way, remember, they're the good guys. They talk about it all the time. That's, the, that's their sort of mantra, that they will be rewarded. Now, that version of the afterlife, that version of living your life in a way that ensures eternal happiness is something that we need to consider. Is that something that's present in this book? That the hardships that we see throughout this story, reminiscent of some of the different in the Christian Bible that were some of you guys were referencing in class, that idea that this is the struggle at ultimately will be worth it because you get bailed out and your championship, your reward, your trophy is what is received in the afterlife. We also discussed in class that modern societies kind of moved away from that as well. The concept of living for the afterlife. We, it, this is not a Puritan society that, has, that maintained that belief, which we covered when you guys were juniors. So I want you to think about this concept all right. I want you to think about this idea of what this could represent, how we see this scene, the importance of the shelter, not just, just from a plot standpoint, allows that the, the boy and the man to reset themselves, but also the idea of this alien-like lifestyle that the father is maintaining and sharing with his son, a life that will never be lived. And as the boy and the son have these, the boy and the father have these conversations, they are both father and son, but they also are companions, and they are the only two interacting with each other. So the boy is going to feel more adult at times, and the father is also, while he's trying to hide things from his son, he's also at times oversharing, because they are each other's rock. The introduction of Eli is another opportunity for the boy to showcase his empathy and his compassion. It's clear the father wants to move on, but the boy won't allow it. It's one of these scenes where you can tell that the child is driving the action of the father. He won't, he won't allow his father to just move past him. And Eli is in terrible shape, which brings about 
this concept of how is he living. It's asked, the father asked Eli, how is he living? And we know Eli is not his real name. And there's this whole conversation about what is in a name. Why would Eli, quote unquote Eli, care that the boy and the father not know his real name? It's mentioned that Eli didn't want to share his real name in front of the boy. Well, why? What, what is the meaning of that? We need to discuss that concept. What does the boy represent, not just to the father, but to other people that we come across? All right, we know that in some ways to people who are hunting others for food, he represents a, a meal. But for Eli, there seems to be something else. So we know there's bad vision involved with this scene. But the fact that the boy, regardless of the man's behavior, is able to be sympathetic and empathetic and give up some of his own food, sacrifice some of his own food that they will, could, will definitely need later to feed this man, despite the fact that his father wants to do the opposite. He wants to leave this guy and keep moving is building this character of the boy to be more than just a father-son relationship story. That in all of this dark evilness that is going on in this book, the son consistently represents the light. And later we'll talk about it, he represents the fire that the two, the father and son, consistently reference in a way that is sort of their trademark of their relationship, the will to live. We'll talk about that as well. So let's consistently keep an eye on the development of the boy and how he's spoken to, his questions he asks his father, his relationships, not just with the father, but how he tries to build them with the people along the way. Consistently, we see an element of fear that's present, how they learn to just live with that fear at all times. And what is this concept of being an alien and how does it apply to the characters within the novel and at times even ourselves?